Amen. If you would go ahead and pass those buckets down, you can drop in the communication card, drop in your faith pledge for our Christmas offer. Oh, can I drop this in too? Drop, drop that in today because you're going to be you're going to be glad that you participate with God. I always tell people this: a hundred years from now, you're going to be glad that you participated in things that are eternal. Man, when you and I get to heaven and we start getting to peel back all the things that have happened through your giving, through your serving here at this church, you're going to be really amazed at the lives you've impacted, that you had no idea whatsoever that you impacted them. But because you served as a, as a greeter and you were kind to them, or because you served in the children's or student ministry, or because you were involved in hospitality or on our dream team, in any way... You're going to have impact in people's lives. It's going to be amazing. So we're going to be excited one day to get to heaven and get a peel all that back. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. We're going to make some declarations over our life. Faith is released by speaking God's promises. Let me say that again. Faith is released by speaking God's promises. In fact, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It's important for you to be involved in a local body, to be hearing the word of God, what God is saying to us corporately. But it's also important for you to be speaking the word of God over your life, over your family's life, all the time. Because that's how your faith grows. So you want to release some faith today? Yeah. Let me try that again. You want to release some faith today? Yeah. Alright, let's make these promises over our lives. God is who he says he is. God will do what he says he will do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ. God's word is truth. God's word is alive and active in me. And now because of what Christ has done... I'm highly favored, greatly blessed, and deeply loved. You believe that today? Amen, amen. Go ahead and grab your seat if you would right there. Today I want to begin a new series. If we can get that fan up here, that would be great. I'm trying to make it all the way through the service with this cardigan on today. And uh, y'all remember the line in Dumber and Dumber when he's driving down the road and the guy pulls up to him and he says, pull over. He goes, it's a cardigan, but thanks for asking. Yeah. You ever recognize how many quotes come from sitcoms and movies and yet we have a hard time quoting the word of God? Ow. Okay, let's move on. All right. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Malachi chapter 3, verse 18. You know, my, my, or verse 8, I'm sorry. Today I want to begin a short series uh, called Thanksgiving. This Thursday is Thanksgiving. This Saturday we'll be very thankful that it's my birthday. All right. But this Thursday is Thanksgiving, and we're about ready to enter into the holiday season. And holiday season is a time when we get to be around family. Let me say that again. Holiday season is, because some of you are unsure of that. Holiday season is a time when we get to be around family. I want to remind you of our purpose state. We're a, we're a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. You know what we think that means or what we would like it to mean? I want to be around everybody that I like and they like me. And when I'm around them, I want to spread the love and hope of Jesus Christ with those people. I want to always feel good and have fun. And so, man, that's how I'm going to spread the love and hope of Jesus Christ. I wish it were that way. But you have some family, as we all have some family, that are a little dysfunctional. Amen. Don't look at the person next to you if they're that person. But we all have some family that's a little dysfunctional. And we get the opportunity to be the love and hope of Jesus Christ to people who do not understand the love of Jesus Christ or don't understand the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, you know when I get the most depressed is when I lose hope. 
when I forget the hope that I have in Christ Jesus. And so we want to be reminding ourselves this holiday season that we are the light of the world and a a light does not hide itself, but we allow our light to shine forth to impact people's lives. So we're, I want to do a, a series, just a real short series, and I want to talk, kind of pick up where I was at in the last series, how our actions are just a response, the, the, the fruit, to what is really happening on the inside of our lives, the root. Again, we're very focused on fruit. Fruit happens, we attack the fruit, when we don't really recognize that the fruit is just being produced from what is going on in the root. So I want to look at this word, thanksgiving and i want us to recognize that our giving is a response to us being thankful when you really recognize how thankful you are for your spouse or for your family you actually want to give it's it's just a natural response when you are thankful for this house that someone paid that we could have the ac or the heat on whichever one you're thinking is on right now when we step into this house, we are thankful that, that what has happened here, therefore the response is we naturally give. In fact, any, if you ever want to know how thankful you are, just check your giving. Do, do you give to people around you? Do you serve people around you? Do, do you love on people around you? And it's very important that we recognize those things go, going on in our life. So what my prayer is, is that we will start operating in thanksgiving as a response to understanding how good God is, how amazing he is. So I, I want to look today about the issue of money. And, you know, just so you know, I, I have to tell you, my journey in talking about money, I used to absolutely hate to talk about money. In fact, it, it totally tripped me out. If I was going to talk about money, I would become very fearful, like a lot of you might feel right now. I would get very anxious. In fact, in, in a message when I talk about money, I, I watch people and I, and I can feel sometimes that maybe an apprehensiveness that takes place in our lives. But listen, when I'm talking about money, when we really begin to understand that that thing, money, sometimes becomes a God in our life, we want to learn how to kill that God so God can actually be God in our life. So whenever I'm talking about money, typically two responses happen from people. The first one is fearful. People become fearful. They first of all become fearful that I'm going to beat you up today and tell you what a no good person you are if you're not giving enough. I'm not going to do that. Or if we get the revelation of giving and we understand it, what happens is we become fearful that I'm going to beat people up again. And we're thinking, man, I invited some people today. Why on earth does he have to be talking about money today? Right? The second emotion that we typically get is unbelief. We don't, we don't really believe that God's good enough, so we want to work everything out in our finances ourselves to make things happen rather than really following the plan that God has for us. And so what we have to understand is that today I want to share with you the truth from the Word of God. In fact, what I'm asking you today is just have an open heart. All right, we're not going to be taking an offering at gunpoint at the end of the service, and you can't get out of the sanctuary today until you give, or anything like that. But I'm going to, I'm going to be casting forth the word, and what I'm asking you to do is prepare the soil of your heart for God to give you a revelation that might be contradicting how you currently believe. I'm asking you just to have an open heart, because see, the truth does not set us free unless we know the truth. Jesus said that if you know the truth... The truth will set you free. So for those of you that are getting the revelation or have gotten the revelation of giving, when I'm talking about giving, you should get excited. 
You should, because you know, listen, we don't just want something from you. We want something for you. We want you to walk in all that God has for you in your life. We want you to walk in this level of blessing that you're astounded by the goodness of God. I have to tell you, I'm an incredibly blessed man. And the reason why I'm blessed is because I'm learning how to walk in what God is showing me as the path of life. Now listen, this is not a salvation issue today. Okay, I want you to understand that. This is not about you being saved or not being saved. If you have surrendered your heart and life to Christ, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Your eternal destiny is already decided. However, if you want to walk in the abundant life, you need to learn how to walk on the path that God has for you so all of the blessings that I talk about all the time will come upon you, they'll chase you down, and they'll overtake you today. I'm telling you, it's absolutely amazing. So are you all excited I'm talking about money today? All right, so I want to talk about money today specifically. I want to talk about the issue of the tithe. And again, I want you to know what God's word has to say about this. So I I want you to see that God has set up a way to provide finances for his kingdom. What I wish God would do is just actually, in a heavenly way, money would start falling out of the sky and suddenly go, okay, here's all the money you need for this week. But what God chooses to do is he chooses to work through his people. That, that the church is not something out there again. The church is who we are. And so we're about what God's about. We're focused on what God's focused on. So God has set up a way to provide finances to finance the kingdom of God. As the senior partner in our lives, which is what he is, he asks us to bring, not give, but we bring the tithe, the 10% that belongs to him, back to him. And even though he's our senior partner, and most senior partners wouldn't take less than, in, than 51%, or at least a majority, all that God asks, again, is 10% the tithe, all right? So he asks us to bring the tithe to the storehouse. The reason? So that there is food or provision in and for his house. So that ministry happens all the time. Just so you know, statistically, the national average of people that give in churches is anywhere from about 10 to 25%. So at best, a church is doing one in four. At worst, it's doing one in 10 of people who actually believe in the tithe. All right? Statistically, where we're at as a church is we are right there in the middle. And what I'm praying and believing is we'll move from the 17% we're at to 25%, from 25 to 40%, from 40 to 80%, from 80 to 100% where we're all giving. Because again, we want something for you more than we want something from you. But we've got to do it God's way. So what is God's way? Let's look in the Word of God, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. If you have your Bibles, it says this, will a man rob God? Now, God is talking here, and God says, yet you have robbed me. Now, how many of you recognize here today, you do not want to rob God, right? The guy that owns it all, don't want to rob him. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, y'all see that I'm reading the word of God. This is God talking to us today, right? 
And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Meaning, whatever you're putting your hand to, God's going to rebuke the devourer off of that thing. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord, yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said, it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance? All right, so God says that when we don't tithe, that we are cursed with a curse. Now, I want you to understand, God is not cursing you. God doesn't curse, but it's because of the curse that is actually on our world. The money that you and I have, the Bible calls it unrighteous mammon. Meaning, even though we are righteous, our money is not righteous. It is unrighteous mammon. So how do we remove the curse to get our unrighteous mammon holy, to get it blessed by God? We tithe our first fruits. Meaning that we give first and best to God. It, it doesn't mean that we try to figure out all of our bills and if we've got enough left over, okay, God, I, you blessed me enough, now I can, I can tithe. No, we bring first and best to God to get our unrighteous mammon to be holy and to be blessed. Let me show it to you in the New Testament. Romans 11 says, for if the first fruit, talking about the tithe, is holy, the lump or all of the rest is also holy. Meaning that now... 90% is better than 100%. In fact, 90% is going to go about 120 to about 1,000% better. But listen, our money doesn't become redeemed. It doesn't become holy, meaning set apart for God, except through the ordinances or the plan of God. Meaning you can't say, well, this is what I believe, so God, I'm needing you to act the way that I believe. No, it's God, this is your plan. I want to follow your plan. I want to walk in your plan. Now, I know that as Americans, we love to think independent. So we think independent all the time. So we go to the doctor, and the doctor starts telling us what's wrong with us, and we say, wait a second, I've actually been on WebMD, and so I can actually diagnose what's going on a little bit better than you, even though you've had all those years of school. Right? Now, I'm not saying that you just have to go in there and just trust everything, but you need to understand that person knows something. And listen, God knows a lot more than your doctor. And God knows the way of life and that he wants you to walk in, for you to walk in the fullness of life that God has for you. But your enemy, the devil who's come to steal, kill, and destroy, is right now whispering in your ear, telling you this isn't for you, they're after your money, whatever it would be. And you need to understand, we're reading what the word of God says. So it's not redeemed in any way except the way that God has chosen to redeem it. And the ordinance that God is talking about here in the context of this verse is the tithe and the offering. Now, we see that God is talking, but who's God talking to? He's talking to his children. In fact, some people say that because Malachi is in the Old Testament, they believe that tithing was an Old Testament principle, that tithing was under the law. But what I want to show you today is that tithing was an ordinance before the law, and it was an ordinance after the law, and it's still in effect today. And we'll see it in the life of Abraham. See, Abraham lived more than 400 years before the law came into being. So the law, before the law was given, he tithed. 
So the tithe wasn't just something that was established by the law. It's something that's been established by God for his people so that God's people can express their love and honor to God by financially supporting the work of the kingdom of God through the local church. Because how many of you know that words are cheap? It's easy to tell people, yeah, I'm all in with you. I'm all in with you. And then you turn around when you need them and they're not there. This gives us a very practical way to say, God, I'm actually in with you. I'm all in with you. So it's because God wants us to be able to have a way to express, express participation with him. That God has called you and I to be kingdom builders. We forget that all the time. We get so caught up in temporary things. But God's called us to be kingdom builders. And we work with God to do the things of God so that other people can come to know him. So that the hope that we have discovered or are discovering, others can discover that hope also. And listen, if you're not confident in or about the vision of a church, find a church and tithe so you don't rob yourself of the blessing of the tithe. I mean it. You don't, you don't think, man, you guys don't know what you're doing here. Find a church. I'm telling you, I love y'all. I want to see God's blessing on you. Find a church that you believe in the vision of the church and tithe. Don't rob yourself of the promises of the tithe. All right. So the story that we're going to look at today is found in Genesis 14. And in this story, there's a story where, uh, that tells us that the city of Sodom was attacked by four kings. What happened in this story is four kings came against five kings and they defeated them. And Abraham's nephew Lot was taken captive. And so when he was taken away captive, Abraham heard about it and he pursued after them. He took his 317 servants and attacked and defeated those four kings. Just so you know, even if you're faced with extraordinary odds today, I want you to know that our God is big enough that you're actually more than a conqueror today. So he attacks them and he rescues Lot. As he's returning home, two kings come out to meet him. And the first king was the king of Sodom, and the other king was Melchizedek, the king of Salem. So in Genesis 14, the verse we want to look at today, it says, So he, talking about Abraham, brought back all the goods. He'd conquered these four kings, brought back all the goods, and back his brother or nephew Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Sheba, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Sheldamorah, the kings who were with him. Now the first king that we see here was the king of Sodom. Now, for those of you that know a little bit about the Bible, was the king of Sodom, is he representative of a good or an evil king? Evil. In fact, he's representing actually the devil. The second king that we see in verse 18 says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was priest of the God most high. So Melchizedek also comes out to meet Abraham. Now, for you New Testament Bible scholars, does his name sound familiar to you? In fact, When Jesus died and rose again, he died to become our high priest. And God says this about his son in Hebrews 5, that you are a priest forever, talking about Jesus, according to the order of Melchizedek. So Melchizedek is a type of Jesus Christ. And and notice what Melchizedek brought out to Abraham. He brought out bread and wine. Bread and wine. It's, It's what we take every time we take communion. We actually take juice, but... You can take wine if that's what you choose to take with communion. And bread represents the body of Jesus Christ that was beaten for you and I so that we can be healed. 
Wine represents his blood that removes our sins from the eyes of a holy God. So bread and wine are typifying the perfect work of Jesus Christ. Are you all seeing this? Verse 19, and he blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham of God most high. Now notice what Melchizedek's first words, first words to come out of his mouth are blessed. Which by the way, just so you know, God is doing that over you also. Blessed. He's never cursing you today. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram, or you can stick your name in there. Blessed be Richie, blessed be Stephanie. Blessed be Bob, blessed be Billy, blessed be Joe. Blessed be of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, talking about Abraham, gave him Melchizedek a tithe of all. 400 years before the law comes into being, then the king of Sodom spoke up, the evil king. He spoke to Abraham, hey, you can keep all the plunder, just return the people to me. But Abraham says this in verse 22. Stay with me as we go through this. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. Listen, Abraham had heard the promises of God. Have you heard the promises of God? If you've heard the promises of God, what Abraham knew was that he was going to be rich. It wasn't a matter of possibly going to be rich. He knew that he was going to be rich, but he didn't want to become rich by the king of Sodom. He didn't want to become rich according to the world's system so that they would receive glory. He wanted to become rich God's way so that God would receive glory. Listen, there are two ways that you can become rich, the world's way or God's way. That's why sometimes we don't understand. You look at people who are living ungodly life and they're rich and you're going, God, how are you blessing them? Listen, you can become rich in the world system. You can be manipulative, you can be mean-spirited, you can do whatever you want to do to try to make things happen and what you're gonna find is you're gonna destroy a lot of relationships along the way of becoming rich. That you're not really gonna be blessed. You're gonna have money, but you're not gonna be blessed. So Abraham wanted to become rich God's way again in order to give glory to God. So he told the king of Sodom, I'm not going to become rich by you lest you should say I have made Abraham rich. So we see that Abraham gave Melchizedek tithes of all. Can you see that? Y'all see that in the Old Covenant. Now I want to remind you again, 400 years before the law was given. For those of you who are saying, yeah, it's just a law thing. 400 years before the law was given. Fast forward to the New Testament. Fast forward to the New Covenant. Hebrews 7 says this. Now, the writer of Hebrews is going to tell the story, but help us understand it. It's a New Covenant principle also. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also gave a tenth part of all. Now, later on in this chapter, the reader, writer of Hebrews is going to explain that he's a type of Jesus Christ. Verse 4, though, says, Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch gave a tenth of all of his spoils. Listen, this gives you and I one of the greatest reasons why we should tithe. It's because we believe in our high priest, Jesus who is at the right hand of the throne of God right now, ever interceding for us, that we're participating with the Savior of the world. Verse 7, 
Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Watch this in verse 8. Here, mortal men receive tithes, but there he, talking about Jesus, receives them. Listen, when you tithe to the church, that's where God's called us to tithe, practically speaking, mortal men here and now receives them. Here, the, the leadership of this church, we receive them, but at the same time, there in heaven, Jesus receives them. You see that? So every time you walk over and you drop your, your offering or your, your tithe into the bucket or you go back to the offering buckets or you give online, whatever you do, as you're doing it here, mortal men is receiving, but at the same time, Jesus is receiving him. He recognizes what you're doing. We don't get lost in the crowd and God is recognizing what we're doing. So again, here mortal men receives it, but at the same time, Jesus receives them. I know what you're saying. Well, I want to give my money directly to Jesus. Well, you do that when you tithe to the church. You don't tell God, listen, I'll make a deal with you. I'll take my money, I'll throw it up in the air. Everything you want, you keep. Everything that falls to the ground, I'll keep. All right? It doesn't work that way. The way that God has set it up for us to give to him. Okay, catch this. For us to give to him, it's the response of a thankful heart is through the local church. When we give to his body, when we give to his work, here mortal men receives them, but at the same time, Jesus is receiving them because the church actually is his body. Are y'all seeing this today? Man, I hope that all those veils that the enemies tried to throw over you about, well, the church is all about money, all they ever talk is about money, that you're being able to pull those things down to say, you know what, the enemy's trying to steal from me again. He's trying to kill and destroy. He's trying to keep me from walking in the fullness of life. Listen, I want to say, especially to you young people that are thinking about this and you're going, you know what, I don't hardly have enough money to make my ends meet now. Listen, if you'll start now when you have a little bit less, it'll be a lot easier when you have a whole lot more. I've, I've watched way, way too many people who said, yeah, one day when I get there, yeah, I'm going to be able to do it. When you get there, you're going to not have developed the right system in your life, and you're going to be challenged to do it when all of a sudden you're having to write a little bit bigger check, because in your mind, it's still about the financial issues instead of understanding it's a lordship issue. All right? So again, mortal men receives him, but there Jesus is receiving him. And notice the last part of that verse, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. It's an interesting conclusion, and it says that when you tithe again, there Jesus receives him, but there will be a witness that he lives. In other words, there's going to be signs and demonstrations that God is not a liar that he should lie. All right, he's not like us. He's going to fulfill his word and his promises. And there's going to be signs and demonstrations that Jesus lives, that God is alive in your life because you're not going to be able to explain how things happened in your life. I'm telling you, when you can again make things happen through your own effort by working and challenging and struggling and trying to make things happen. But when God begins to show up on the scene in supernatural ways, you're going to be going, I don't know how on earth that just happened, but that was amazing. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm just a living testimony of this, watching God. You're, to get in this building, me praying on a Sunday morning, God, if you want to send this building, I need a supernatural work. I need to know that you're in this. And God shows up that Sunday through someone and gives us a check for the church for $120,000. Listen, that's not a coincidence. That's God performing his word, doing the extraordinary. Then I can't say, yeah, I'm such a brilliant pastor. You know what I did? I just got us a capital campaign together, and we just really made this happen. God did it that's what God wants to do he wants to do it in all of our lives 
So people are going to look at your family and they're going to say, what, you're just so blessed. And it's a witness that Jesus is alive. See, your right believing as witnessed by your obedience to bring back to the Lord the tithe or the portion that belongs to him what, will do what Malachi says. It will open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing you'll hardly be able to contain it. It'll be a witness that Jesus is alive. It'll tell the world that Jesus is alive and that the blessing of the Lord, the favor of the Lord is on your life. I'm telling you, you won't be able to not talk about the goodness of God. You, you won't be able to talk. And listen, just so you know, there will be challenges to your obedience, just as there always are. There's always a challenge. When you step out, the enemy's immediately going to try to come against you. You've got to resolve in your heart, do I trust the word of God or do I trust how I feel? Do I trust the word of God or do I trust what my checkbook looks like right now? I trust the word of God. Whenever I look at my life, I'm honestly amazed at the favor that is on my life. And it's a witness of God's goodness flowing through me. Listen, it doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm blessed, but not because I'm a pastor. Just so you know, I know pastors that are not blessed. The blessing is on me because of, of Jesus. And what we learn to do is we learn, to learn what Jesus is do, doing and we learn to flow with what Jesus is doing. He doesn't want you to bring the tithe because he's poor. He doesn't. He's not broke. Listen, he, he, doesn't, want you to, he doesn't want your money. He really wants your heart. See, the Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if, if I want to know, if you ever want to know where someone's treasure is or where their heart is, just look where their treasure is. Preach it, Richie. He, he knows, God knows that you need his blessing. And he wants to lift the curse off your unrighteous mammon. The 10% redeems the 90%. Real quick, verse, verse 9, Hebrews 7 says, even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Now, who was Le Levi? Levi was Abraham's great-grandson. He was a priest. So even before Levi was born, because he was in Abraham, Levi also paid tithes. Listen, your tithe and the blessing that comes from your tithe will affect your children. It will affect your descendants. You will have the opportunity to create a legacy that will change your family line forever. Listen, I know some of you, you're going to be the first. You're going to be the first to step in there. My wife and I, we're both fortunate that we're the second in the line because both of our parents did not have parents that tithe. And our parents stepped in and began to understand something. And I have to tell you, again, we are incredibly blessed. We are. I'm, I'm just amazed. Sometimes I have to pinch myself. I'm so blessed. I really do. I look around, and, and I can also tell you that I used to be afraid to tell you that I was blessed because when I talk about giving, you're going to think it's about me. It's not about me. In fact, it's about you. It's about you getting a revelation of God's goodness and, and allowing the kingdom of God to be advanced forward. And I'm telling you, I'm incredibly blessed. And it was simply because at an early age, my parents poured into me. So when I was just a little kid making a dime a week for taking out the trash, I always knew that one penny went to, went to the tithe. And I would always give another penny as an offering. And I'm telling you, all of my life, I've had challenges in my life. I've had difficult, I've had times when I've had to trust God because it wasn't easy to tithe. But it's always been first and best goes to God. And it's just natural in my life because I was raised in it. And some of you are going to have to establish it. 
You're going to have to make a choice, and I'm telling you, it's going to affect generations to come. When you and I begin stepping into all that God has for us as a church, it's going to affect this entire city. It's going to change this city. Let's go back to Malachi. Malachi 3 says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Again, we're to bring all the tithe. Again, we don't give the tithe. We bring back to the Lord that which belongs to him. And we bring the tithe to the storehouse. See, some people think that they can tithe a little bit here and a little bit there. They can let their tithe go here. But the word of God is very clear that we are to bring the tithe to the storehouse. The storehouse is the local place of worship. When you, in your mind, are thinking that you're tithing to another ministry, you're tithing to the Harvey Relief Fund, you're tithing to the Christmas offering, you're actually giving an offering because your tithe belongs to the storehouse. Why? So that there's food in God's house. So that we can continue to do all that God has for us. Can you imagine if we had so much money and the blessing was coming because we had 100% tithe that when Hurricane Harvey happened, we don't actually have to take a special offering. All we have to do is we just have to make a decision. Okay, God, what do you want us to do? Let's go down and rebuild an entire church. Let's go down and let's help an entire city block renovate their house. Can you imagine what we can begin to do when all of God's people are participating in this? And listen, if you're still thinking of tithe as lost, you need to let your mind get changed because it's not lost. You cannot outgive God. And when you start investing in the kingdom of God, you're going to be amazed the way the blessing of the Lord comes on you and overtakes you. So we bring it into the storehouse. And the storehouse, listen, if you're from another church, you need to be faithful again to that church. Because your church is doing the same thing. It's distributing it. They're feeding people and they're allowing God's work to go on. Malachi chapter 3, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord. God says to try me or test me in this. This is the only time you really find in the word of God where God challenges you and I to try it. To test him in it. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that, you will, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you. God says that he is going to rebuke the devourer, the one that devours your health. He's going to rebuke the devourer, the one that devours your wealth. I watch followers of Jesus Christ that love God, that are going to heaven, but they are not following the ordinances and the plan of God. And it's literally like they're putting their, their money in, in pockets that have holes in it. And I watch it at the end of the month, they're out of money all the time. God's going to rebuke the devourer. Listen, something powerful begins to take place in our lives when we begin to believe by responding to the promises of God. See, that's why it's so important that we just don't intellectually know about the promises of God, but we step out in faith to say, God, I'm going to choose to flow with you. And when you start flowing with God in this area of giving, the church is empowered to do what it's called to do. I want to close this morning by saying this. Listen, I've shared with you what God has put on my heart to share with you. What you do with what I've shared with you is completely up to you. I I want you to know we are going to love you no matter what you do. I'm serious. We're we're not going to put a little letter on you. Okay, you've got to watch that person. We're going to love you no matter what you do. God will not force you into tithing. Listen, and we don't tithe out of duty. We tithe simply as a response to the love of God in our life. Just recognizing how amazing he is. We are, we are giving again because we are so thankful. And we bring back the tithe to God. And again, 
God won't force you to tithe, but listen, he won't force you to be blessed either. In fact, Luke chapter 6 says this, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it will be put into your bosom. Some translations say men will pour into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. When you release the tithe, it opens your hands for God to pour more back into your life. Isaiah, would you come up here real quick, just a second? I want to show you a little illustration as I close today for us to understand the importance of the tithe. Today, you know, we have to recognize, first of all, that all the, all the things that we have in our life are blessings that come from God. And when we get the tithe, and we're bringing back the tithe, as represented, I've got a dime that I just gave him, and we're bringing it back. We bring it back with an open hand to God to say, God, here's the tithe. Thank you for trusting me with it. But when we don't, what we end up basically doing is we end up closing our fist to God, and we actually create a posture where we are not able to receive from God. And we're saying, God, I'm trusting the tithe, this little 10%, more than I'm actually trusting you. And even though God is in our life and he's saying, you know what, I really want to bless you. In fact, I'm going to keep pouring into your life. What happens is our inability to be open to what God wants to do forfeits the promises of God from showing up in our life. And see, we just have a tendency to think that the amount that I just kind of poured into our life is what God wants to do. But in reality, what God really wants to do is he really wants to pour into our lives an incredible amount. God is doing that all the time. He's doing it all the time, and and we're still walking around going, God, where are the promises? God, where are the promises? He's asking us to have an open heart. See, because when we have an open heart, and we bring the tithe back to God, God says, you know what, now you've just redeemed your unrighteous mammon, so not only am I going to bless you, I'm going to bless you beyond what you expected. In fact, use both hands if you would. I'm going to keep pouring into your life, pouring into your life, pouring into your life. Now, I know y'all are sitting back a little ways, but how many of you can tell that he's a little bit more blessed than he was just a minute ago? Because you see, now what begins to happen is not only is he blessed, which God wants us to be blessed, he's able to be a blessing to others. When it talks about God pouring into other people's lives, we actually get to be a part of pouring into other people's lives. And there's no lack with God, because every time we start pouring into other people's lives, God's turning right back around saying, hey, let me bless you just a little bit more, because I can trust you with more. Let me continue to bless you with more, and let me just bless you with more, and bless you with more, and bless you with more. It's amazing what God wants to do in our life. But what we see God as is, you know what, God, I gave you a dime. I'm I'm hoping I'll get a dime back. God, God, I'm just hoping I can make ends meet. And we're not understanding that the Bible says that God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or all that we can think. It is simply our unbelief that keeps the promises of God from showing up in our life. Listen, I wish I could tell you that, man, you could walk away from today and just you'd feel this all the time. But I'm telling you. There's going to come some challenges to it. The enemy's going to whisper in your ear the moment that you're gone, saying you can't do this. Listen, you can't afford not to invest in the kingdom of God. You can't afford not to say, God, let me bring back the 10% because, God, I want your favor in my life. I I know that you're a good God and that you want to do good things in my heart and life today. But you've got to believe it and receive it. You drop those back in there. Thank you, Isaiah. Let me close with this and say, it is our open hand that provides the opportunity for God to pour into our lives. It's so simple, 
and yet so difficult because it's so easy for us to allow our thinking, to, to allow the circumstances, to allow the challenges of our life. Say, God, I just don't know if I can do that. You've got to simply choose to believe. God, I believe that you're good. Here's the tithe. God, I'm going to believe you to bless my life. So I'm going to pray over you. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.